we are live uh, to uh, episode 30, Warrior Women in Business. My name is Jasmine Sandler. I am the CEO of Warrior Women in Business. For those of you that don't know anything about Warrior Women in Business, and I came today to hear Katie Hill, which I'm just so excited that she's on today. Um, I just want to give you a little bit of a background about what Warrior Women in Business actually is. So Warrior Women in Business uh, is a podcast, but it's also a mission-driven organization to support women in business and women in politics and women in the arts. And it's really about bringing together mentors and leaders in, in business, arts, and law in a way to educate, encourage, and empower women to move forward in equality, in bettering uh, their values, which is a lot of what I talk about in this podcast. We at warriorwomenbusiness.com, you'll find uh, past podcast episodes as well as events. Uh, as part of Warrior Women in Business, we run an annual conference called Brand You, which is all around developing female entrepreneurs as thought leaders. And we constantly run events. It's been very hard during COVID. Uh, we, so I would love really to announce a couple of events and classes that we have coming up before I get into today's amazing podcast. So on October 24th, Warrior Women in Business will be holding an exclusive event with Women of Culture, Women of Culture, is an organization in New York City that curates art and cultural events. It's really, really fun if you've never been to one. So we are doing exclusive Good Vibes on the Lower East Side curated art walk, talk, brunch, and obviously cocktails. And so that is gonna be Saturday, October 24th. And then the other thing that I'd like to mention is Tina Trevino, who's one of our certified coaches on warriorwomenbusiness.com, who owns Takaya Brands, which is a global women's fashion brand. She's leading us through a four-part mini course on how to build a fashion empire. Um, and so that's on warriorwomeninbusiness.com. So I would like to get started today with episode 30. So for any of you, or hopefully most of you, I did last night, who watched the uh, presidential debates, you know, um, more and more and more in the, in the news today, women are becoming a force in politics. And thank God, you know. But it's a struggle. I don't know much about it. So I asked Katie to be on. And um, so I've asked Katie Hill to be on. She's a former congresswoman of California. If you want to wave to the camera, Katie, say hello. <laughs> um, I've asked her to be on. But most importantly, she just completely stood out to me. She has a book. Um, I'm, and I just told her I can't wait to actually get through it. Um, it is, uh, is a book really um, about women's equality. And uh, it's a book about how women struggle through gaining uh, levels of power in their industry. And I know she's gonna share some tips on how she has achieved so much in such a young, uh, as, a, as a young woman, actually. Um, so, you know, uh, I asked her to be on to talk about women's equality, about the struggles that we have. And a lot of women don't even speak up about problems of misogyny. I, I know I deal with it all the time across my business, across my music in many different areas um, and how we can come together, whether we are alone in a group of men or we have other women, how do we align with those women to move forward? Um, so I'd like to welcome Katie to the show. If you want to go off of mute. Yep. Hi. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for you to talk about, you're the first guest that I've had that has had a political seat. Um, okay. I've had amazing female lawyers on the show, but ne never by any, anyone from the governmental side. So I think that brings a new perspective to Warrior Women in Business. 
Yeah. And no, it's, I think that the crossover needs to be happening more. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. All right. Fantastic. So I want to start with the first question. So, you know, you certainly have faced adversity as a woman in your political career and, in, and you're an example of what we call uh, war in, in the warrior woman world uh, is a power woman striving for equality. And I feel like I'm one of those. My mom was certainly one of those. <laughs> My friends are those. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really hard, you know? So, you know, in your career, which is a little bit different than most of ours, can you walk us through, firstly, your decision? How did you make the decision to go into politics? And then your experience in achieving the political seat as Congresswoman? Sure. Well, I was not planning on becoming a politician originally. I was uh, originally um, pl planning on becoming a nurse, like my mom and both of my grandmothers. Um, but one thing led to another, and I ended up uh, in the social services sector. So I was running a large homeless services organization. Oh. Uh, I became the executive director and deputy CEO by the time that I was 26, I think, um, and got really involved in the policy, uh, you know, making policy change and, and expanding these organizations and really uh, working on you know, the business side of it, right? I worked on mergers, I worked on the finance end, I worked on, you know, develop, housing development. And uh, I think that that background really was important to me. But anyway, it was mission oriented, right? It was all about how can we end homelessness for individuals, families, and communities. Um, then everything came, or 2016 came along and everything changed. It was suddenly about, um, you know, recognizing that people were coming into my office one after another and uh, didn't know what it meant for us, didn't know what it meant for their jobs, but more importantly for the people that we were serving with Trump in the White House and a Republican held House and Senate. And, um, and I felt like I needed to do something, but that the next opportunity to do so would be in the 2018 elections. And I thought, okay, great, I'll get involved somehow. I looked up the, there was a, at that point, there was a tracker called or Swing Left that had just emerged. And you could look at, put, type in your zip code and it would find the, lo the closest swing district to you. So I did that and I found out that the district that I'd grown up in, I'd spent my entire life in, uh, was, was actually the swing district. And I could not believe it because it was this deeply Republican seat growing up. And um, uh, Santa Clarita, Simi Valley, uh, basically the north side of, of um, yeah, of, of LA County. But anyway, so it, was, it had always been held by a Republican for my whole life. And it turns out that Hillary Clinton had won that district by, uh, by about six points, but the but the Republican had the Republican incumbent in Congress had won um, by about seven. So that's why it was targeted as one of these key seats across the entire country to be able to flip the house. So I was like, great, this is my own neighborhood, my own family, like my, my whole family lives there. I, I live there. And uh, I, I was like, I can get involved deeply. I know this place, right? I can help somebody. But then um, I found out that the only person that was really planning on running was the guy who had run and lost the last time. And he was a, he was a dude who had moved into the district in order to run. Um, he yeah, wasn't yeah. from there. He was, and I, and I felt just to the bottom of my soul that we wouldn't, wouldn't be able to win it again if we didn't have somebody who truly understood the community and, and how to kind of balance the, you know, the, the progressive, younger, um, more diverse leaning parts of the district with the ones that are kind of, more typical middle-class suburban and, and, you know, they're moving. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, so I, I was like talking about this, I was complaining about it to a bunch of people. I'm saying we have to find the right candidate. I'm all in, but we got to find the right candidate. And then finally somebody said to me, Katie, why don't you run? You're the perfect candidate. Your, your dad's a cop, your mom's a nurse. You've yeah. been running this huge statewide organization. Why wouldn't you? And, and then I thought, Oh my God, 
you're right. Why wouldn't I? And especially after you watch Donald Trump, you know, win, it just seems like the rules about who can do this are completely changed. But that's the difference between men and women too, right? We, but, but let me interrupt you for a second. That's yeah. a good thing. Oh and that's yeah. A big, that's a big change. Yep. And I think that's, uh, that's something that, you know, that's something that gives us the avenue, right? Is totally. that what we're going to say? It gives us the, yeah, well, yeah. it gives and, us a lane also, to kind of jump in, right? Totally. And I think yeah. that, you know, what we saw, what we saw with the entire wave of the women who ran in 2018, not oh, just yeah. women, but men too, but, but from different backgrounds. I mean, AOC coming from, directly from bartending, right? Or, All right. you I know, mean, that's yeah. my, that's my area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. me too. Mm -hmm. I was I was a server in a, in a in restaurants for my entire college career, and mm -hmm. so it's like, I think that there's there's this there there was this energy that came out of Trump being elected that is probably the biggest positive that the only the only real positive that we're going to be able to get out of this presidency. But it's a it's an important one because it's it's getting people engaged that needed it that absolutely needed to be activated for us to be able to make the changes necessary. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And that talks about something I think in the history of women, I know your book came out for around the hundredth, right? The hundredth yep. year of the women's right to vote, which yep. makes perfect sense. It's yep. all these barriers that we're breaking in certain times and something has to cause those changes. And I think it's, um, you're an example of that, right? And also I think these examples, women need to be aware of these examples so they can be aware of the ways that they can step in instead of just following routines and listening for signals of things that you, a woman might say, hey, you know what, that's not okay. Right, right, you know, absolutely. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not okay. <laughs> and yeah. I think that we have to make change. So I'm, I'm really happy that you are an example. Um, okay, so next, you know, you're, you are certainly um, one of the younger uh, congresswomen, you know, to, to, to hold the position. So yeah. As a, as a younger as a younger woman in politics and you know when you think about politics you know you think about older white men i mean in general right yeah and, i mean i do so um did you find that you were able to find older female allies and if so how did you gain support from them can you talk about that yeah yeah actually um from the very beginning and by by being a, a female candidate there were a number of women in Congress who'd been there for several terms that had started a, a elect Democratic women and basically the, the women's caucus. And um, so they were already, you know, women made up only a small percentage of Congress for a long, forever, right? So it's been growing, yeah. but yeah. they were already a close-knit group. And especially with Nancy Pelosi yeah. as, the, as the Democratic leader and the speaker both times, mm -hmm. um, she really fostered right, that and and the, the growth and, and the kind of, um, I don't know, the sisterhood that exists. And so there were a couple of women in particular, Lois Frankel was one of them who really kind of brought us as candidates into that fold and like would check on us and, you know, see what we needed for help and just call and, you know, be very motherly. And, mm -hmm. um, and that just kind of continued. And, and I feel like women, it, it, it certainly wasn't just women, but the, the women really cared and um, gave you the kind of emotional support that you need as a, as a first time member of Congress that, you know, pr probably isn't traditional in a mentorship. <laughs> it's certainly no. not a male one, right? Well, yeah. I mean, in the work that I do, I deal with, um, I do a lot of training for women's groups instead of corporate. And actually my favorite part of it is getting some of the men involved with women's leadership. Uh, yeah. 
because you need that. We talk a lot about that in Warrior Women in Business is having male allies in underserved women's groups, organizations, yeah. causes. So yeah. um, is there anything in that that you could share in terms of for the younger women that are listening um, in how you might have approached or gained the support of those women? Anything that you could share to help them? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's, first of all, uh, just being truly uh, responsible respecting and admiring the work that they did as trailblazers, right? Coming before yeah. us and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and it's, it was truly coming from a place of wanting to learn and wanting to, to, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming up as this isn't competition. This is, and, and they, they oh, were of that kind of frame. I don't know if it was if, for me, at least, I don't know if it was that we sort of made it, a, a, I don't know. It, they could have had this natural tendency anyway, but I think that they, it, it's about making room for more women. It's not about trying to edge anyone out or, you know, um, there doesn't need this, there shouldn't be this comp competition between other women. It should be a, entirely a support network. And I think that, um, you know, at least to a, a large degree, that's what it's, it seemed like it was in, uh, in, in my experience in the house. Good, because that's what it's all about. I mean, this is how we can grow as, as women. Yeah. Um, the yeah. competition and copycats. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I, that's why I started Warrior Women in Business, to be honest with you. Really? Is, is, yeah, because I, I was like, you know what? We have a hard enough time beating the men. Yep, exactly. <laughs> why we have exactly. to beat each other, you know? Totally. And, and, I think <laughs> and, there's from... enough, and there's enough opportunity for everyone. Yeah, and, and I think it came from this idea that, okay, if there was going to be, if there was going to be a, a sing, you know, any women at the table, it was going to be a single woman. And so you didn't yeah. want people who are going to possibly oust you. And if you're coming up from, you know, up from the bottom, then you don't want to, you know, that you have to push someone out of the way. But now we have hit the point and we, we recognize that we are, are best served if we stand together and elbow and make room so that there are, you know, that we, that we're running the table, you know? Yeah. We're a team. And I, right. I couldn't agree. Right. Okay. So, um, in your new book, right, you, um, which I didn't actually mention the title. <laughs> so uh, to go back to what I was saying in the beginning, I saw the word warrior in her book and I was like, who is this? I got so <laughs> excited. <laughs> so yeah. so her the book, the title of her book for all of you to check it out on Amazon, please. I actually read the summary. It's amazing. Um, she will rise becoming a warrior in a battle for true equality. You share the negative experiences you had um, within your political tenure in misogyny and double standards of which me too, but not in politics. Um, <laughs> can, can you tell us, and you don't have to tell us everything, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, really tell us what happened there and how that shaped what you deliver in this book, which you will believe you believe will help women crush these standards. Yeah. So from the very beginning, what, what I learned was that, uh, it is, it is so much harder for women to even enter politics, even to even begin to consider it, right? So it's, we're kind of, we're kind of uh, behind the game in, you know, from day one. And actually yeah. the research backs that up, that from the, the time we start, the time, by the time we start our first jobs, by the time we finish uh, college, we're already making less than our male counterparts with no experience in an entry level yeah. job. Okay. So, um, you know, the same thing is in politics. If you're making less money, if you've assumed more, uh, caregiving roles of whatever type, whether it's, you know, of your own parents or family or of your yeah. if kids, if you have them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and just this, the, uh, this book is full of statistics on how it kind of shapes that right with income inequality and how, you know, basically, we're having to work twice as hard to get half as far in many cases. 
Um, don't quote me on the exact. <laughs> no, I. But Dorsey was, and Whitney has some stats on that, so I. Yeah, yeah. It's hard uh, to keep up with them. So. I know it, it's and it's overwhelming when you do. But the book it has them. I've got the the sources all in there, and so my um, I guess you know what I was thinking was or what I what I'm what I'm saying is that from day one we have fewer connections to uh, to ways into politics. We have. We don't have the, it's harder for us to ask for money for a variety of reasons. And it's just generally um, more of a barrier, both internally for us saying, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Uh, perfect example. I just, um, I've had, I've been talking, trying to convince a few of my former colleagues, not from Congress, but from a past life to do a project. And uh, the first thing I've heard from all of them is I'm not qualified for that. i like really? what and why and I, and I say why are you not qualified? But we do that in politics too. We say I'm what I'm not qualified to run. Somebody's got to be more qualified than me, and um, and so then you have the the external bias too. You've got uh, I had men say over and over. I just don't think a woman could beat a man. I don't think a woman could beat Steve Knight. Um, I actually had women say that too. Um, I had uh, you know the way that you're treated by um, by you know, voters that are, that are just straightly misogynistic, but even yeah. the ones, even how you're treated by, by women who say, you know, you're, uh, you, you shouldn't be wearing those kinds of flowery dresses or right, you need yeah. to be they more serious. Different values, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, that plays out, I guess, all of, all the way and all the way ultimately leading to my resignation. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible, you know? So, I mean, unless you're talking about a strength contest, in my opinion, a woman can do anything a man can do. So mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm very surprised to hear that. Was that 2017 or something, right? Which which part? The the piece about the the men and the women, especially oh, yeah, the women, 20, telling was, you that you can't win. I just it was 2017. Even, it was and it was they were crazy. using Hillary versus Trump as the as the reason. This well, I mean, evidence. come on, that's a whole humongous podcast episode. I know <laughs> that I'm not getting into. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, but okay. yeah, no, that was. That, so yeah, it was it was absolutely then. I mean, it was like, I you know the, you, there was so much of it. It was coded in. Well, I hate to say this, or you know, of course I don't believe this, but the voters, or you know, we saw what how how sexist people are, and so for the good of the party or for the good of the seat, you know, you should you should step aside and let the guy run. Hmm. I have a question, but I don't know if I should ask it. I'm going to ask it because I think you might know it. <laughs> so as an average citizen. And many of people are, you know, we don't really, we vote, of course, right. but we don't really, really know what's going on. Are there certain groups that you believe within, you know, within the political structure that you were in that are set up to hold women back? Or, you know, is this, is it historical? Is it values? Or is it something real? I, you yeah. know, I just, people talk about it a lot and I, yeah. I don't know the answer. Yeah, well, no, I think it's it. I think it really is. It's a historical thing, yeah. um, and it's it's a it's the fact that we have just barely in the in the construct of time been able to be part of this process at all. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we're starting from zero. We're starting from just getting the right to vote only for really effectively only for white women a hundred years ago. Yeah, and to the, when by the time that we've gotten anywhere in terms of actual representation at higher levels, just like in business, it's you know, it's 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 gone tiny, tiny bits of change. And then finally, we're kind of at a point where it's, it's getting bigger. I see it's like a curve, right? Um, yeah. So, but that means that 
we've just got so much work to do in terms of pushing it off. We've got literally completely internalized um, and, and forever reinforced visions of what leadership looks like that is not female, you know? And so for people to just, even in their own mind's eye, visualize that a woman can be president or a woman can be the one in charge in whether it's in the boardroom or in the White House is it, you're going against, um, you know, all of that uh, socialized kind of um, way of thinking. Yes. So let me ask you this, uh, because I like that you brought up the analogy of business and politics. Yeah. So in business, you know, our leadership levels, C-level executives at Fortune 100 companies, you know, we're, we go from like two to 4% in a matter of, uh, you know, 30 years, let's say, right? The point is it's a small percentage of growth and it continues to be hard. And so in my work, I work with executives, so yeah. male and female. Anyway, so I see, um, I see my outside view is I see this attempt to strengthen that and grow those numbers by building women's groups, women's efforts, women's initiatives. Yep. And some of me thinks that that creates a little bit of a divide, you know? I don't, I don't know what you think about it. Like when you mentioned that there was a Nancy Pelosi and a kind of a women's group, it helps women, but do you think there's a way that we can truly create equality? You know, cause I still, I still think that's the, in my, in business, you know, that tends to be an issue. So. Yeah. Well, I think the, for me, the, and I think that this was just so reinforced by what I saw while I was in Congress, but, but also in, in other aspects of life, I think the best way that you can get equality for any group is by achieving representation at the, at the leadership table. And that doesn't mean that you're trying to force people out. That doesn't mean that you're trying to, you know, um, uh, 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 kind of abscond with power, but you're asking to share it. And you're, um, and you're saying that we've got to make room for people who, to, who reflect half of the population, women, to yeah. make up half of the leadership positions. And we're asking for, you know, people of color if you make up 10% of your, your organization as a whole, or if you make up 10% of your client base or whatever it is, we want it to be reflective of, um, of our consumer base or of our, of our, our, our staff and of the population when we're talking about government. Um, and that's only fair. And that's the only way that you're gonna yeah. get the, the proper interests of those groups um, uh, and priorities of those groups to really be, to really be pushed to the front in, in, a, in a genuine way. And for so long, we've had uh, any group that's not old, straight, white, wealthy men has been pushed to the side. And so we know, and, and that basically means that we've still got this big old group of old, wealthy, straight, white men that kind of have to like get, you know, <laughs> squeezed. <laughs> or, they squeezed. Have to, or they have to embrace everything. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and it can be an expansion. It doesn't have to be, a, yeah, it um, doesn't. you know, shoving people out. Right. I think, that, well, but I think that's my point, you know, like I, this has nothing to do with politics, but I had a conversation with a, a recruiter and uh, um, last year, and it opened up my eyes to something I never knew. I said to him, we were talking about executive jobs because my clients, I'm like, oh, sometimes they want to give me a job and it's a secret. Right? And he said to me, he said, you know, most of the jobs that you see out there, they're just fishing to fill a quota of women and, and colored people. I'm like, what? Yeah. You, you know, I, so part of me, you know, I'm in equality, the way that I think of equality is actually just embracing a person without looking at their name or their color. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? No, I 100% get that. And I, and I know a number of talented 
white guys who have younger white guys who have worked for me or who I know who have actually struggled to get jobs for the same reason. And, and, um, exactly. And, and you know, my, my, my dad has talked about that in the nineties, the first time affirmative action, but the truth is like, it's a, uh, it's almost like it's, it's, it's time, it's time, right? Like it's just so, so hard for us to be able to kind of counter the fact that we, we, you know, that there was no um, way of ensuring that equality because of it, just the advantage and the privileges that have been kind of, um, you know, foist upon, uh, uh, or not foist upon, but that have been uh, kept away from everyone else. We just have to find a way of, of making up for it. And, and that doesn't mean that it's going to be true. It, it, that doesn't mean that it's going to feel fair to each individual person. And instead, mm-hmm. it's going to have to be more macro. It's going to have to be more societal. And um, sometimes that means that it's going to be harder. It's going to be like it was for women for so long or for people of color for so long for a white guy to get a job. And it's I just know. a role, role reversal. Yeah. But, but of course, it's, it's new for them. So it's mm-hmm. like that much more difficult to conceive of. And, and they feel more oppressed by it. Yeah. Well, I like, to talk, I like what you talked about representation because yeah. I feel that you don't have to hold a huge leadership position in life to make a difference, right? Oh, yeah. You can it, represent a, something in your community or within your totally. company or within your industry or your neighborhood, right? Yep. yep. And yeah, that's it doesn't a have to be of, like, it doesn't have know. to be going to Congress, right? It can be no. in a million different ways. It could be on your school board. It could be, or not even, it could be in your PTA. It could be in your, um, your, your neighborhood association. It can be anywhere that... I think that that that's kind of the obligation. If we want equality, if any group wants equality, then you need you do need to show up. And that means by voting. That means by volunteering in these kinds of places. That means by kind of in in many ways stepping into the uncomfortable, stepping into the places that we've been kept out of, and that therefore don't necessarily feel natural to us. Okay. So when you come across, or you had come across, or maybe you still come across it, uh, obstacles. You know, uh, obstacles. You know, from a woman achieving her next step in something, you know, do can you share advice on how you counter those conversations in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a, in a positive way? So can you give me an example? Like what? Um... So, so, if, so yeah, sure. So if you come up, so let's say in your, in your, in your, either your current work now, or when you held a seat in Congress, uh, as you came across situations where, you were told that you, just simply you, you were told that you couldn't do something yeah in a, a room full of people where you were you were you were you you had that seat or you had that position but because uh, being a woman someone told you you couldn't you couldn't do something yeah so that's my question because i know a lot of women come across this or you brought up the you brought up the, the example which i liked about women not asking for the money that they deserve, which is yeah. something I talk about yeah. a lot. So, oh, yeah. uh, and I think it's, I, I talk about this psychology on the show all the time. <laughs> and oh, I think yeah. it's a lot of like internal. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, those type of conflicts, whether it's internal and you have someone sitting in front of you and you can't ask for the money or it's external, you ask for something and you get shot down because it's, you're a woman. Can yep. you just, any, any example you can share specifically and how yeah. you got around it? Well, I, you know, I guess the easiest example is, and because I already brought this up was when people would say to me, I don't think a woman can beat Steve Knight, or I don't think, you know, I think you should step aside for the man because he's got a better shot of winning um, or beating the Republican. And 
the way that I would approach it then was, um, you know, to always, to, 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 to really, you can't internalize it, right? That's a big part of it is you have to be, you have to, you have to use that as something that kind of uh, uh, solidifies your, your will and, and strengthens your desire to move forward. And so for me, you know, I wouldn't get offended by it. I would also not like, you know, feel the need to like lay into them because that really, that just doesn't serve your purposes. No. But instead I would, I would say, well, I understand your concern. We're just going to have to prove you wrong. So, um, you know, and, or it depends on who, um, who it was, right. I, I would also change it to be something like, well, I guess we'll just have to see about that or, mm-hmm. you know, something, something to that effect. And, uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't share your perspective on that and then just kind of politely move on. Um, I think it, that's a different situation than if you're being openly discriminated in the workplace. And that's one where you have to take, you have to take recourse, whether it's going through your union, if you have a union, if you don't have a union, it's helping to form a union. Um, it's going, it's filing the complaints necessary and it's, it's not allowing things to, to just happen anymore. We, we have to collectively yeah. point this out and say that this is unacceptable. And that doesn't mean being a martyr. That doesn't mean going out yeah. and looking like, you know, I, yes, no. personally, I'm like this, like if a guy says something inappropriate to me, Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to go file a complaint with HR. I'm going to say something to him first yeah, and be like, Hey, that was, a, and this happened to me in Congress. There was a, oh. there was a guy who, um, there's these things called one minutes and they're these speeches that anyone can give any member of Congress can give. And you basically have certain times that you can give it. Okay. And I, um, one time I went and there was this guy that he was in leadership. He was in one part of leadership with me. So I saw him all the time and he, uh, you know, he was always there. And so I said, oh, oh, hey, you're Mr. Mi- Mr. One Minute Man. And by the way, I'm standing here with a group of other young women who are called, who are the f- freshman members of Congress. And he goes, I'll be your Mr. One Minute Man. And it's just oh like, ew, you know what I mean? And like, this, this guy's like, <laughs> he's like older than my dad. And just like, you don't oh, say that God. to, you, know, you just don't Say, my you dad, don't say that in that. You don't say not, that. Not somebody who's your dad. Yeah, no, it's just terrible. And so uh, there were people like my my the other girls. No, I shouldn't call them girls. The other young women, women yeah, um, sure. uh, were you know they were like, did he just say that? Like this is a, this is your colleague. This is not somebody who's. Uh, but but could, did I go to Nancy Pelosi and rat him out? No, I said something like, hey, the next time I saw him, I was like, dude, you can't say that kind of thing, and. Um, and, you know, of course he was mortified and, and I did, I did uh, call it out in the press though. I did an interview about oh. it and, but I didn't say who it was. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, I think that there was enough public shaming involved that didn't directly out him that I didn't need to try and file some kind of official complaint and ruin, ruin him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's, I think that was a, that was a slightly weird tangent, but just how, how you It's not a that. weird tangent. I yeah. went through it in my career too. I had, a, yeah. and I got fired. Mm, yeah, I got fired for calling somebody out. Yeah, yeah, so, that happens a lot. But then I called so, his wife, you know. So <laughs> well, so that's so women that's always point, win. Right? That's my point. Is no, that, because, that, but but in politics, it's so different. It it must yeah. be so, like you said. You know, you can't you can't leak certain information, and it must be very right. difficult. Yeah, yeah, and but the truth is too. You know, we the only way that we stop it from being possible for women to get fired for coming forward for those kinds of things is to come forward collectively and not yeah. to, you know, if they're, if it's happening on a regular basis, and usually it's not an isolated, if it's an isolated incident, 
then I would say the guy doesn't deserve to get fired. He needs to learn something. Yeah. But if it's something that's happening to many women over exactly. and over again, it's point. a different situation. And mm -hmm. someone's not going to get fired if all of us come forward. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's recognizing the power that we have in groups and how necessary that is if we are going to change things in the long run. I mean, look at the Me Too thing. I mean, it's just exactly. I, I think it's, it got a little bit, old, personally, I think it got a little bit overboard. I mean, I started to feel bad for some men that couldn't even, were afraid to even go to work at some point, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's a I mean, balance. It's, it's a balance. Had, and, and I talk about that in the book, too, because I'm on a list of Me Too perpetrators because of the power dynamics in my in my relationship, and yeah. I, I'm horrified by that. I think that really? that's, to even lump me in the category of, you know, oh Harvey Weinstein is just disgusting. That's, it makes me have a vis visceral reaction to it. But my, um, you know, but, but I talk about it as like, what is, what's the accountability we want to see from people? What's the, what's the um, correct amount of atonement? And for, you know, these, uh, the scale, right? This, this entire range of, of, um, yeah. you know, I don't know, indiscretion or, or straight up criminal offense. Right. Yeah. There's a scale. Right. Some could be criminal and some is not. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, all right, so my, my, my favorite question is always about warrior women. So uh, all my guests, I ask them how they define a warrior woman in business. So for you, I'm gonna say, how do you define a warrior woman in business and in politics? Talk about that. When you think of that, who do you see or what do you see? So I see, I see a warrior woman as somebody who, who doesn't back down, who gets hurt but also keeps going um who yeah. is who is willing to just take on the fight and um and i think that that's that's the case in either business or politics and that means that you know you are often going to be the only one in the room um you are often going to face the the crap that we were just talking about and mm -hmm. that sometimes you're going to have it's going to be really hard not to take it personally because it it, it can feel so personal um I but it know, means that yeah. you are you are continuing to go and you know uh, and and that's really why I use the metaphor and in my book it, of warrior women is because that's you know you are you, you, we warriors are tough it we're not you know we're not just brave until we get hurt and then we go away that would make yeah. us more princesses warriors keep going <laughs> and um, so I think yeah I, th I think that that's kind of how I would define it at any place in life whether or it, it whether it's work or uh, sorry whether it's business or politics or even in the family. Yeah, well, I agree with you. It is about, you're constantly getting, though I feel like the more that you strive for equality, the more that you strive for what you want, the more you're gonna get hit or yeah. criticized. I, I completely agree. And I, think that I, I love what you said about not taking it personally. I mean, I have, you know, that is, I think the hard, for me personally, I think that's the hardest thing, not taking it personally. It's yeah. really hard, especially yeah. as a woman, we care so much. Right. We do. And, yeah. and especially when you're hearing it from other women too, I think that that's, that's one of the hardest times that I've had. And you will, you know, you, you will, because there's this internalized misogyny that we, we that is going to take us a long time, at least another generation to sort of start to break down. And I think we are seeing it yeah. with, um, with the younger generation, but it's uh, so much has just changed in the last, um, you know, it, let's just use the hundred years from when we got the right to vote and it's taken a long time. I mean, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is the one who made it possible for women to get lines of credit on their own. That only happened in my grandma's lifetime. Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a, 
it's just recognizing that we're part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. And each of us has a role to play in pushing things forward, not just for our, our own advancement in career or politics or otherwise, but in terms of for women as a whole and um, you know what that means for the, for the women who come after us. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, it really is at the end of the day, right? It's your, you, have a, you have a singular goal, but like you said, if you open up your eyes to the fact that there's all these other women out there yep. Yep. Um, and you can have effect on them and they can have effect on others, yep. then there's this culmination. So yep, that makes a lot of exactly. sense. Okay, so a couple more questions before we go into Q&A on Facebook. So I'm gonna ask the obvious question because of the presidential debate last night, which I did watch. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I don't comment on anything, you yeah. know, <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, but I want to know, my audience would definitely want to know your opinion on the female candidate, uh, yeah. you know, what you're thinking about, you know, the vice pre uh, female candidate and vice president, Supreme Court, and other local female officials. Yeah. What do you think about what they're doing? How do you think they're going to fare? What do you know about Sure. Them? Well, let me start with what, uh, the basically what I did as my next step after um, after leaving Congress, I decided that I wanted to start an organization that was about helping women get elected. And so it's called Her Time. Um, and it's a political action committee. And that means that we, we support candidates. We can spend money on their behalf. We can donate money to them, raise money on their behalf, um, and do different kinds of research around this, this idea of mobilizing young women as a voting group electing them to office and then advocating for the issues that matter and that are going to affect Great. us. So, um, so it's I'm her time, know, right? Her time, her time. My, yeah. H-E-R dash. Yeah. H-E-R dash time.com. And, you know, with that, we are, uh, we're, I guess for me, that's kind of where, um, you know, what, what I think it all comes down to is, is basically, uh, we need, uh, we need other groups. We need women to support women to, to get us elected. I think, um, I think, you know, and, and that's kind of what the book is all about, is how do we ultimately get to the point where women are, we know women are succeeding uh, in, at, at the ballot box because it's gonna take an intentionality to get there. Um, but, you know, Kamala Harris was the, she was my first, I endorsed her as soon as she started running um, oh. for, for president. So mm -hmm. the fact that she is uh, the VP pick is, you know, I'm thrilled by. Um, I, and I feel good about it. I think that she's, I, I just feel, I just have a good feeling, but um, you know, okay. can't can't get complacent at all. Um, and then for I, I'm I'm really optimistic. I think that this is going to be um, another wave of women getting elected in higher numbers than uh, than ever we've seen ever before. As far as the women Supreme Court pick, I have an issue with her because she's a woman who uh, makes decisions that are anti-woman, and and I've talked about it before. But there are some women who have truly internalized misogyny. And um, forcing that upon other women is just—it's just. Are they? Not you think do they do that? Because I don't know much about that. But um, so, did they do that to gain these power positions, or did they really believe that? I mean, what? What's their intention? Oh, the, yeah, no, I think that they've they've internalized it so much, either through their upbringing, their their religion, or their own experiences. Oh, um, I see. Lack of, you know, confidence, whatever, whatever it is that they that they truly believe that women, or at least some women. Uh, maybe it's not them, right? Maybe they, they yeah. have a carve out of, of them or are, have a different role in society. And um, maybe they don't see it. As, you often hear this argument that it's not inferior, it's just different. Um, yeah. Like, uh, what's her name? Phyllis something or other, I forget. She was the one that 
um, they made Miss, Mrs. America about it, and I didn't even watch it, but it, basically it's, she's the anti-suffragette. She's oh, the anti-equality yeah. uh, oh, um, ERA person. And um, Shafley, Phyllis Shafley. Okay. So, uh, you know, that they basically, you know, women are, are anti-choice, anti-abortion, anti, anti all these, uh, anti-birth control, anti-women um, getting uh, equal pay, all these kinds of things. And I think it's just, I think it comes from an, a fundamental lack of understanding of how these policies and, and these things are actually keeping us back. Um, and how, if you're not white and privileged, then it probably isn't helping. You know, you probably don't have any semblance of equality uh, because of these things, so. Wow, that's terrible to hear. I wanna go change it right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, do, do women, do those women understand that it's beautiful to be a woman? And, you know, I think that this and is- And we have these, uh, you know, these choices are, are so important. I just, yeah. for, the, for their, just for themselves, never mind other women. I know. I think it's um, shocking. I'm sorry. I think it honestly is changing. Like we used to see um, women. I, I mean, I truly think it is. I think it's changing, but uh, it's yeah. it's taking time, and, and it's largely it's overwhelmingly women women over 55. Oh, um, right. So, they're... like the studies just show that in a huge way, and so it's but not of course not all. Like I think you can yeah. Tommy Laren or whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think it's definitely a. It's still, it's, it's, it's a social work in progress. And I think I'm going to invite them to our next event. There you go. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. I'm giving Warrior Women t-shirts. Okay. So, um, so um, we are going to be going to questions in just a minute. We only have, you know, we have a certain time. So, um, so for everyone that is listening or watching, um, so Katie is going to be giving away a copy of her book or maybe copies, whatever she wants to do. <laughs> um, so there is a form, an RSVP form. If you haven't filled it out yet, uh, my assistant will be putting that link into the Facebook chat. But again, her book is, for any of you who want to go check it out today, which you all should, it's really good. She Will Rise, Becoming a Warrior in the Battle for True Equality. So, by Katie Ellis. All right, thank so, you. So, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. So, we're going to go now to Facebook Q&A. Uh, I'm just going to be waiting here for a second to get some questions rolling from the audience. So, please... If anybody has any questions and you're on Facebook, just put them into the comment box. That's all you need to do. Any questions for Katie about all the topics that we talked about today? Or whatever. Whatever you want to ask. I just need to check. Okay, I'm waiting. <laughs> you can chat while she's getting up. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's I a mean, crazy, it's a crazy it's time. Crazy. It's a crazy time. That's something I definitely wanted to talk about as we wait yeah. for questions. Yeah. You know, there's All so right. much, there's so much going on. I feel that um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, there's a, it's, you know, as women, we're, we're now in the, in the place where we are fighting for equality. We're, we're looking to make things happen and make change, but there's also so much other change that's happening right now in the world with race, communities, yeah. politics, yeah. law, with, law enforcement changes, which I'm so not happy about. Oh, yeah. You have no idea how. I, we wrote a song that got released this week, my band. And I'm just, all this violence is just, it's terrible. You know, I mean, I personally think that's not helping change. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's really difficult. Doing. It's, so my, my dad is a, um, he's a 30, he's about to retire, but he's a 30 year law enforcement um, member. He's a captain now. And, uh, 
you know, they want to make the changes too, but it's also, there's just this, this, I don't know how anyone would want to be a cop right now. So it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird time for sure. And it's, it's going to be hard to make those changes. It's a scary time. Well, I do have a question about that. Um, women in predominantly male roles. Okay. So, um, firefighters, policemen, you know, these traditional plumbers, traditionally male roles, construction workers. Mm -hmm. Actually in my neighborhood, it's something I've been noticing is there's always construction workers, <laughs> always. Yeah. But I've been noticing more female construction workers and I, I think it's great, but I usually only see one and then right. a group of like 30. Right. So right. what about the women out there that aren't interested in traditional business or traditional jobs and they actually want to work in these male dominated industries? Yeah. You no, know, like unions. I mean, how do they get in? Any, well, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say is actually the unions, every one of those jobs that you just listed off is in many places a union job. Um, and the unions are, are really actively trying to get more women, um, you know, to, to, to increase that representation and to make it so that women can kind of uh, uh, make up a better, a, a, you know, bigger portion of people in these fields because it matters, right? It, perspectives matter. I mean, okay, you're going to have- Perspectives you, really matter. Yeah. If you yeah. have, now, if you have like this, this crazy, like the iron workers, for example, you're not, there are some women who really want to do and can do that, that extremely That's physical cool. labor, but like, <laughs> yeah. not, not, I'm, I don't want to, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so uh, there are some that are just going to naturally, I think, stay that way. But, yeah. um, but for others, you know, it's, I think it's about maintaining it. Yeah, the, the unions and, and many of the agencies themselves, there's, there are a lot of extra opportunities for women to try and get in. And um, I would say that wherever it is, you know, this is, this is a good moment to try and um, make that and, you know, to try and kind of put, put yourself in that, in that path. Um, but also know that you will be a trailblazer and, and that means that you'll run up against the, the challenges that we've talked about. Yeah. And so, right. And, and as, as you're going through that, you know, there's going to be a lot of threats around you. Just like you mentioned, women saying that you can't do it, men saying that you can't do it. Yep. And yep. I guess, you know, is your advice for them to kind of keep going, keep going and just, yeah, if you feel, uh, yeah. if, if you feel like this is something you want to do, if you feel committed to it, and, and then, then prove them wrong, just prove them wrong. And, and I think that that's a really, like, for me, at least that's a, that's a big motivator. And uh, it, it has been my whole life. So, um, and I think that that might be, uh, for me, at least, I think that that's something that could, that, that probably could apply to a lot of people. Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. I, I in, in in most careers, I started my career with IBM, and when I started, it was mainly mainly men. Yep. I'm like, all right, I'll just keep going. It's, yeah. It's where I am, and it's, it's what I yeah. want to do. And the more people tell you you can't do something, the more you want to do it. I love when people tell me I can't do something. Exactly. <laughs> I, I see you're the same. I'm like, okay, good. Oh, yeah. Keep telling. I don't like when they bash you for no reason. No. Because no, and you not, shouldn't put up with it, but that's not also fun should. and that's not right. And they're just right. doing it to put you down. But, right. Right. but yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, all right. We don't, I don't know if we have any questions that the thing is hanging here and it's fine. So um, anything else you want to share with my audience in terms of how they can contact you? Um, some things that they should be aware of that you're doing coming up besides the book, yeah. you know, yeah. anything else you want to share? So a couple of things. One is um, her time is uh, her-time.com. You can sign up there to get alerts. We're, we're keeping um, everyone up to date about the candidates. We've got some polling that's going to be coming out soon. Um, so sign up there uh, and follow us uh, on all the social media. There's 
Um, I don't exactly. personally have a have a, a, a Facebook presence, but um, her time does. And right. if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, I'm at Katie Hill, uh, the number four CA. And um, I'm known to say some snarky things once or twice a day. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> um, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then on top of that, the book, we have resources around different things, including how to get involved, um, resources awesome. in case you are being discriminated against. And that's it. Um, SheWillRiseBook.com. Um, and the last thing is that I'm uh, starting, I'm launching a podcast and that's going to be coming up soon um, called Naked Politics. And it's about, nice. you know, getting, getting uh, behind the scenes and, and talking about scandal and uh, everything that is kind of unknown and unfiltered in the political scene. Um, and that, that's, if you want to sign up to get alerts on that, it's nakedpolitics.com. Oh, sorry, nakedpoliticspodcast.com. Okay, nakedpoliticspodcast.com. Yep. Uh, what were the other, so that, so that we can put this in the Facebook frame. Uh-huh, her-time.com. So her right? And then the and, book URL? Uh, the shewillrisebook.com. She will rise and uh and then at katie hill for ca at katie hill for CA. i'm for ca too i hope these wildfires oh it's just so yeah oh, someone has to do something <laughs> i know i know it's oh okay i do have a last question because it's okay. really actually is bothering me it's about it's not about women it's just about the world so um how do you think polit politics can really play a good role in solving these environmental issues? Like re really, without me having to listen to another presidential debate, what do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is this is, and this is where elections really do matter because yeah. people, we need the political will to do something dramatic and fast. And it's, it has to be, um, it, the decisions have to be rooted in what's going to benefit the people, not big corporations and special interest groups. And for too long, those are the very forces that have made these kinds of decisions. So the reason that the Republican uh, members of Congress and, and even Democrats before haven't wanted to put in these really strict um, you know, uh, regulations around fossil fuels or uh, curbing emissions or anything like that is because, hello, the gas companies, I mean, the electric, uh, sorry, the, 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 um, the oil companies don't want them to. They, don't, they, they know how much harder that's going to make their jobs and how they're gonna have to innovate. And, and that's- They will have to innovate. Yeah. And so the, that's the role that the government can play. And when you elect people who are not accountable to those, um, that's why all, all of the candidates that we're supporting in uh, her time are not taking corporate PAC money because I think that oh. the only way that you can be accountable, and this is, you know, you, you need, women are important. Like that's obviously its own thing. But in addition to that, yeah. it's really, truly important to me that, um, that people are, politicians are not putting their, the, the best interests of, they need to be putting the best interests of citizens and society and their voters first and not um, these corporations or we'll never get the change that we need on the environment or any other issue. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I have another question. Sorry, this is all related to this because I think it'll help people. Yeah. Um, so how do we, I mean, when you're voting, you know, you're voting based on, I mean, my opinion is a lot of times you're voting on promises. Maybe you do a lot of research. Um, so are there any ways that voters can measure or kind of understand what they can expect. I mean, I, that as a voter, that's the one thing I always hear. It's the one thing, oh, I don't believe him or her, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, with, I with, think without the knowledge, it's always difficult, yeah. you know. I think I'm always looking for people who are honest. And, yeah. um, and so I want somebody who's going to acknowledge, yes, this is the vision, 
but I know what it's going to take to get there. And that's something that I did when I was running was very much, you know, that I want to get to zero emissions by 20, whatever. I, I forget even what the goals of the Green New Deal were, but, um, mm -hmm. but that it's, I recognize that we're not going to be able to do that overnight and that it's going to take us being able to help these businesses to make those transitions or we're going to be yeah. out, you know, millions of jobs. And um, so it's, I think that you want somebody who's going to truly, and that's hard because God, the pressure, especially on the primary side is like overwhelming to make these promises that most that people know you can't keep. Um, yeah. That, that seems to, that's why I brought it up. Seems extremely difficult. So I, I, I look for, um, you know, I, I also think that there people play different roles in mm -hmm. a democracy and in a representative democracy. So for example, people who are coming from these really far left districts, mm -hmm. um, their, their role is to push the party. Their role is to push us to, uh, to these, you know, to these, these far reaching plans. And then it's kind of the role of the others to sort of balance that back into something that's, um, that's you know, more reflective of the entire country and, and of what's possible in the immediate. So um, I, think, I think it's just like demand change, demand mm -hmm. that that change happens quickly and, then it'll, and, and, and don't, don't allow for it not to um, yeah. keep that pressure on, but yeah. know at least that it will never happen if you don't keep that pressure on, but know that your efforts aren't for nothing, even if it's taking longer than you want. Mm. So, and I'm assuming it sounds to me like politics aren't that far from business and running a business. No, you have, I, I mean, don't think I have, so. I don't think so. Cause I mean, I have certain priorities. Every business owner has certain priorities. And it yeah. sounds to me like the role of our government is to look at what the priorities are yep. Yep. and prioritize and wish, them and achieve them. Right. I, I mean, wish that it was, it was treated more like that. And you always hear certain, certain like wings it. say uh, we should treat government more like business. And, and, I think that they mean it wrong. They th they're talking about running a profit and they're talking like, about right. uh, always focusing on the, economy. yeah, but instead we need to be, we need to be working. We need to be talking about running, a, running it like a business or running it like an organization that has an actual mission and, you know, measurable, achievable goals. And, uh, and, you know, these, these outcomes that we're going to be expecting within a certain time frame. And I think that the, um, if we had that kind of approach and there was less of a focus on getting reelected and the politics and the bullshit behind it, then um, our government would work a lot better. Yeah, well, they need people like you. There you go. I really, <laughs> really I mean, you're so open about it. And um, you always hear, hear that, you know, you can't talk to politicians and they're, they're all liars. And it's so um, refreshing. To I'm have just here someone. on the outside. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll exert my influence from, <laughs> from yeah, over here. Yeah, but you now. know, you, you've been on the inside and you talk about it in a way where you're not, you're not bashing you. You're just being honest. Yeah. And I think that honesty is, is it really important when we when we think about how we want to change this country? Yeah. Because, in my opinion, this country could be so great. And right, there's just I agree. Many, there's so many problems right now. It's, we got to tackle one at a yep. time, and just yep. come together. So I know. anyway, so I know. I that's how I feel. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we're we're done with time. I I want to thank you, Katie. Yeah, first thank of all, you. good luck on everything. You have thank so many you so much. things coming on. Her time. The podcast, which actually sounds very cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited for it. <laughs> I think you're going to have a lot of fans. Um, so the book, the podcast, her time. So for my audience, yeah, please uh, RSVP. The link is in Facebook. If not, just email us at info at warriorwomenbusiness.com. In the show notes after we send out 
the edited version of this podcast on all of our channels, Spotify, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. We will put all of Katie's links in there so you can contact her. You don't have to write this all down today. <laughs> and the last two things I, I do want to mention again is uh, October 24th, if you're in New York, we're going to be having our first, finally, post-COVID event, which wow. is going to be fun on the Lower East Side. So that'll be on warriorwomenbusiness.com. And then any of you that are thinking about a fashion business, we have Tina Trevino, who's the coolest woman, fashion designer, Takaya Brands. You can check them out online. Um, and, you know, if you're interested, let us know. Go to warriorwomenbusiness.com. This is Jasmine Sandler signing out for episode 30 with Katie Hill. Again, thank you so much. Thanks.